Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. O Lord, Thou searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid Thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me, Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God! Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men! For they speak against thee wickedly, and thy enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am I not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. That's Psalm chapter 139 the entire chapter in the King James Version. And before we go further, I want to, I want to pull out two verses in here, one just because I love it, and the other, uh, it's actually like three verses, because they're super, super, super relevant to what our topic is for today. But before I get to that one, can I just say that my favorite verse in this passage is Psalm 139, verse 17, which says, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. Sorry, this is the one I like. Verse 18. I like it all, but you know. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. The psalmist is saying, God thinks about you. The thoughts that God has about you are more than the grains of sand on the ocean shore. Have you ever tried to count the grains of sand on the ocean shore. Now, of course, the psalmist is saying this uh, in, a, in, in an idiom, if not an idiom. What is the, 
Why can I not think of the word? Like an analogy, but that's not the word I want either. But his point is that they're limitless. There are so many, you can't count them. But if you could count them, scientists have, uh, researchers have determined that when it comes to grains of sand on the earth, we have roughly 7.5 times 10 to the 18th power grains of sand, which in numbers is 7 quintillion 500 quadrillion grains of sand. That's um, 7 comma 5 and I believe 18 zeros after it. You can't even begin to fathom that number. Which, and by the way, you can then go on to the, the stars in the sky and uh, there are multiple stars for every grain of sand. So for grains of sand, we have 7 quintillion 500 quadrillion based on our best guess there are m at least double that number of stars. It's absolutely mind-boggling. And then, and then we wonder how the universe came to be. And I look at things like this and I think, how can you think anything other than that a creative, caring, all-powerful being made this thing we call the universe happen? I, it just blows my mind. But God thinks about us. And for some of you, you may be tuning into the podcast today and you're like, uh, are you like preaching right now? Because I, I like, I come here to hear about Joe Biden and, uh, like what's happening with laws and things. And, and we do that. But we also talk about culture. We talk about faith. We talk about family. We talk about freedom. And there's something that has happened in our culture this week that we're going to focus in on here for just a little bit. I don't think this is going to be a long podcast. I know I say that every time, <laughs> but I think it's actually true this time. But God's thoughts towards we, his creation, that's what I believe, that God creates each one of us. That's what the Bible teaches, that God creates each and every one of us. And he doesn't just create us and then set us on our way and never think about us again. No, God's thoughts towards each one of us are more in number than the sand. That's, that, that, that literally means that God is thinking about us so much. And I can't even begin to comprehend this because I can't comprehend God because he's God. And if I could comprehend him, he wouldn't be God. Not that we can't understand elements of him, but I can't explain all of him. What I can understand is when God came to earth as in the person of Jesus Christ, that's the part of God that we can really, I think, uh, you know, that, that God allows us to understand. But there are some parts that I can't understand. I can't understand how God can have thoughts about me that are more in number than the sand, and he's having thoughts about you that are more in number than the sand at the same time, and that there are millions of people on the planet, and that about each and every one of us, he has more thoughts than there are grains of sand. Nobody could do that except for God, and the Bible says, that that's what God does. That God cares about you to the extent that he thinks about you and his thoughts about you are more in number than the sand. And those thoughts about you begin before you're even born. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, again, this is the King James Version, the Bible says, God is speaking, and he said, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Before I made you, 
I knew you. Before God made you, he was thinking about you. And the reason I started with Psalm 139 is because Psalm 139 has probably the most famous passage in the Bible about God forming a baby in its mother's womb. And I I read it to you in King James. I'm going to go, I want to read it to you in, uh, in, I think this is, uh, hang on, I think this is maybe parallel. No, not parallel. I'm sorry. Um, I thought it was English Standard, but I'm trying to make sure. Hang on. <laughs> uh, let me just let me just look it up again because I I thought I had it in English Standard, but then I think it disappeared. Okay, here we go. I read it to you in King James. This is in the English Standard. Standard. It says, "For you formed my inward parts; you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made." Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. You, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there were none of them. Now, What is the, what is scripture saying here? It's saying that God made you. It's saying that before you were born that God thought about you. That before you were born God had a plan and a purpose for your life. And that God thought about you and then God made you. That every life, every life, God makes every life. And see, this is where it boils down to when it comes to the abortion argument, okay? And, and we, we need to, as Christians, realize that there are women, you, you know women who have had an abortion. Statistically, you do. You may not know that they've had an abortion. They may never share that with you. For many, many women, this is the hardest decision that they make. Many, many women regret this decision. Many, many women are looking for comfort, are looking for hope following an abortion. Other women are are not that way. Others are more calloused. Others are uh, not suffering from regret over an abortion. But we need to be aware and and sensitive to that fact as Christians that, yes, there are some women who are going in uh, that are celebrating the fact that they are having an abortion. We've seen that happen on social media where abortions have been been, uh, publicized and celebrated and in your face. But by and large, there are a lot of women that have an abortion that are hurting and we need to be sensitive to that. And so I want to preface the things I'm about to say with the fact that we need to be sensitive to the many women who made the most difficult choice they've ever made. Was it the wrong choice? Yeah. 
we know that abortion is is not the right choice, is not what we would want. And for many of these women, they realize now later that that's something they wish they wouldn't have chosen, but we need to be sensitive to that. Because God's forgiveness isn't limited. God's forgiveness isn't only if you've uh, stolen a candy bar. God's forgiveness extends to everyone for any and every sin if they seek it. And our forgiveness should as well. It doesn't mean that you, do, that you forget things that happen or that there aren't consequences in life. But forgiveness is real. And God showed us that in the person of Jesus Christ and offering us salvation. Forgiveness is real. Forgiveness is how God works. But there are others who celebrate abortion. There are others who promote abortion as a good thing, as a celebrated thing, as an empowering thing, when really it is anything but. And this past week, you probably saw it, potentially in the news or on social media, there was a valedictorian in Texas who was giving their graduation speech, who had a pre-approved graduation speech. And at the last minute, she switched out her speech that had been approved uh, for one that uh, became a political statement, if you will, a pro-abortion statement against Texas's new heartbeat bill that bans abortion as early as six weeks. And in this speech, this young lady said, I have dreams, hopes, and ambitions. Every girl here does. We have spent our whole lives working towards our futures, and without our consent or input, our control over our futures has been stripped away from us. I am terrified that if my contraceptives fail me, that if I am raped, then my hopes and efforts and dreams for myself will no longer be relevant. I hope you can feel how gut-wrenching it is, how dehumanizing it is to have the autonomy over your body taken from you. Now, I, I, I understand that this is a real concern for this young lady and for many women in America and around the world. And I understand that we need to have conversations about how uh, fathers need to be more involved. And we need to have conversations about what relationships look like in general. We need to have conversations about our foster care system. And there are so many, many different elements of this conversation that we need to address as a culture and a society. <coughs> Excuse me. But as a woman, I would like to address a very specific element here. And I think if in her speech that she had focused on, on, uh, on the rape aspect of this, then I probably wouldn't even be doing this podcast today. But the fact that she said... If my contraceptives fail me, and I'm just going to take out the rape part for a second because that's not what she focused in on, in my opinion. She said, I am terrified because this is what she started with. This is, this is, and I believe that this would be then her primary concern because it's the first thing she mentions. I could be wrong, but I, I believe that this is largely the way that our culture uh, is, is going. And if you look at the number of abortions that happen uh, due to rape as opposed to uh, an unplanned pregnancy, they're very different and staggering. Okay, so we have abortion happening more so because of an of a unplanned pregnancy, contraceptive failure, whatever else you want to say there, uh, not so much happening because of, of rape. In fact, that number is very, very minimal. So we're going to focus in on the other one. 
because I believe that she does, because that's the first thing she mentions, and I believe it's the primary thing on her mind here. She said, I am terrified that if my consciousness would fail me, that if I'm raped, then my hopes and efforts and dreams for myself will no longer be relevant. Okay? So, so she is terrified that if her contraceptives fail her, then her hopes and efforts and dreams will no longer be relevant. There, in my opinion, as a woman, there are so many things wrong with this statement. What she is saying is that as a woman, if she were to get pregnant unplanned, then her hopes, her efforts, her dreams are no longer relevant. That is, is so offensive to every mom out there who has had and achieved any of their hopes and efforts and dreams. Because what this woman is saying is, if I were to have a child and I was not ready to have a child, then, then nothing else in my life matters. My whole life is ruined. Essentially, that is what this boils down to. That is offensive. That is wrong. And, and could we even say that perhaps that is selfish? That perhaps, that perhaps if, if you're worried about your hopes and efforts and dreams and believe that a pregnancy would ruin all of them, that none of them would any longer be relevant, then perhaps abstinence is a better option for you than worrying about if your contraceptives will fail you. Perhaps, maybe, there is something to the old-fashioned way of thinking that if you're not ready to have a baby, then you're not ready uh, to be sexually active. Or we could go the biblical route, which is my preferred method of thinking, because I, I, I just I think that God has it figured out better than us, and that is that if you're not married, you shouldn't be engaging in sexual activity. And, and I know that people are not going to like that I say that, but God said it. I didn't make it up. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that marriage is when a man and a woman get married. And that children are God's blessing, are God's intended uh, that marriage is God's way of continuing our humanity. That marriage, one of the purposes of marriage is to, to propagate, to fill the earth. Like, that's literally what God told Adam and Eve. But instead, our culture, uh, our culture looks at this completely differently. And abortion has become about the woman. It is thinking about the woman. It is not thinking about the child. And I, I, I think that in any other circumstance, if we looked at a, it's a situation where there was a, an adult and a child, and the adult thought only about themselves and not about the child, that we would call that selfishness. And really it's the ultimate irony. Because women who, who are so strongly supportive, and even men who are so strongly supportive of abortion, say it's all about, uh, it's all about women's rights. And, and, and even in this speech, she said, do you know how gut-wrenching, how dehumanizing it is to have the autonomy over your body taken from you? Because these, these women who, who, who support abortion, they, they're like, I want to have power over my own life. But I, I, that to me, it is the ultimate irony. Because you know who really knows how gut-wrenching and dehumanizing it is to have the autonomy of their own body taken from them? 
Babies who are aborted. Babies who are murdered. Because women don't want anyone else telling them that they can't do this because they want to have power over their own life. So you can't tell me what I can do with my life, with my body, but I'm going to make a life-ending decision over someone else's life and someone else's body. That's dehumanizing. That is literally gut-wrenching. That is literally having your body, your whole life, taken from you. Our most helpless have become our most expendable. The cruelest of more murder is abortion because a child, an unborn child, cannot in any way defend itself. It is completely helpless. And you might say, well, well, she's only doing this and, and people are only having a hard time with this because, because they made it six weeks and, and we don't know that that's when life actually begins. Well, a couple things to think about to that regard and then I'm, I'm going to wrap things up here. First off, um, we say that abortion, or our culture says that abortion does not end a human life. It's just a clump of cells. It's just a fetus. But if you murder a pregnant woman, you'll be charged with a double homicide. So, legally, when it comes to an abortion, the child is not a life. But legally, when it comes to the mother being murdered, then it, the child becomes a life. Where, where is the difference? And if you talk to any couple who has been trying to get pregnant or wanting to get pregnant or anticipating a pregnancy, that child is alive. <laughs> the moment they find out they're expecting, that child is alive. They don't text their parents and say, there's a clump of cells. No. They say, we're going to have a baby. Doesn't matter if they're two weeks in, six weeks in. They post pictures with balloons. They have streamers. They create elaborate birth announcements. Not birth announcements, pregnancy announcements. They're not celebrating the fact that there is, a, there is an organism that is a cell that is growing. No. They're excited because they're going to have a baby. And even if you want to argue, well, it's a fetus and it's not a child, and so abortion is really only killing a fetus, not killing a child. Well, I disagree with that 100%, but if you want to go that route, then you could still say that the destruction of the fetus eliminates the chance of human life and that if a pregnancy allowed to go to term... It continues, it results in a human life. So either way, there is a destruction of human life or potential for human life, whichever direction you want to go. But quite frankly, we really do not have an excuse any longer. The science is pretty clear. And that's one of the reasons why Texas has this new heartbeat bill. We are finding out more and more on a regular basis how much we know of how young pain is felt, of when heartbeats begin. The science is there. As early as eight weeks of gestation 
it's been well documented that pre-born humans feel pain. That at five and a half, six weeks, we can, we can find heartbeats. It is so well documented how early on in a pregnancy that child is feeling and its organs are functioning. And we closed down the entire globe for a pandemic that had just a, a, a speck of the scientific research and understanding and knowledge of what we have on abortion. And abortion continues, but we closed down the globe. That's incredible to me. And we champion that we will have control over our own bodies. And, and it's important, you don't understand how terrifying it is that, that my rights to my body, how dehumanizing it is to have my autonomy taken away from me. And yet in the next breath, <laughs> the very thing that we say we want to do to someone else, that child, that baby, that unborn human, is the thing we don't want anyone doing to us. No one's going to tell us how to live our lives. No one's going to affect what happens to my body. But I'm going to, I'm going to dictate what happens with that baby. I'm going to dictate the destruction, the demise, the complete annihilation of their life and their body. The science is there. The science is clear. This isn't a conversation about science that our culture needs to have. This isn't a conversation about science necessarily that we need to have with others either. This is a conversation about reaching hearts and reaching minds. You know, if you, if you look at the, at the percentages of those who support abortion, Gallup had a poll, I believe this was last year, uh, you know, only 20, I think it's 29% of Americans believe that abortion should be legal in every circumstance. Only 29% of Americans believe that abortion should be legal in any circumstance. But if you, if you dive further into that and you just ask someone whether they're pro-choice or pro-life, 43% of 18 to 34-year-olds call themselves pro-life as opposed to 53% who call themselves pro-choice. 62% of college graduates call themselves pro-choice, whereas 51% of non-college graduates call themselves pro-life makes you wonder if maybe our colleges are influencing something there. Those who are the most affluent, who make over $100,000, are the most pro-choice. 62% of them. Those who call themselves conservative are 77% pro-life. Those who call themselves liberal are 78% pro-choice. Those who call themselves Republican, 68% pro-choice. Those who call themselves Democrats, 72%... Sorry, did I say pro-choice? Republican, 68% pro-life. Democrats, 72% pro-choice. Which, by the way, is one reason why a lot of people call themselves a one-issue voter. I think it's the most important issue. I mean, life is... One of our first uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. There's no liberty if you don't have life. And oftentimes, if you know someone's stance on the life issue, you can pretty well determine their stance on most other issues. That's been statistically proven. 
So we have a mindset issue. We have a heart issue. It's not about the science anymore. And I, as this viral speech showed, it's about me. And when you stand up and say, I'm terrified that if my contraceptives fail, my hopes, my dreams are gone. We need to have a mindset shift. We need to, again, view children as God views children, as a blessing rather than a curse. You might say, nobody said that kids are a curse. Well, yeah, if you're saying that you're, everything you've hoped and dreamed and worked for is gone if you become pregnant, then yeah, you're looking at kids as a curse. So we need to have a mindset shift. And we need to have a culture shift. As I mentioned earlier, yes, we need to have conversations about foster care. We need to have conversations about how to make adoption more affordable and more, uh, more um, what's the word, more attractive to, to teen moms, to unwed moms, to, to women who are not ready to have uh, a child in their lives. We need to make adoption less stigmatized. We need to make foster care less stigmatized. We need to talk about the problems that exist currently in our foster care system and the abuse that is rampant there. We need to have those hard conversations. I agree 100%. We need to talk about you know, consequences uh, for rapists, I think, need to be greatly increased. But at the end of the day, we have this foundational issue of if life in its most vulnerable form is valuable. And to determine the value of life, we have to ask, our, ask ourselves who gives life value and where does life come from? And if you believe that every life is a gift from God, that God is the creator and sustainer and giver of that life, and that God knows that child before they are even conceived, that God has plans for that life, that God creates that life on purpose, with a purpose, then your mindset changes. If it's just a clump of cells and life doesn't matter and everything is just an accident and we're all just evolving anyway... Well, then it's a different story. So, what do you believe about life? Where is your heart? Where is your mind? What are you teaching your children about life? And what is the school? Or what is the college? What are your children's friends? What are the people that are influencing your children, teaching them about life? And when it comes down to it, does your child know what God says about life? Does your child know what God says about their life? And that God cares about every life? That God thinks about them? That God thinks about the unborn child? That God thinks about you <laughs> and his thoughts about you and about that unborn child and about your child are more than the sand of the sea shore? I guess the sea too don't really know. Psalmist didn't specify. But that's life-changing. An understanding that God created you on purpose, with a purpose. That he loves you, 
and that he is the sustainer of the life that you have, that's how we change hearts and minds on the abortion issue or any other issue. And that's what I wanted to talk about today. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. Thank you for being with us. Feel free to send your thoughts, your comments, your questions, your concerns. And again, remember, for you who are listening, who are Christians, this is a a subject that we can be very passionate about. And I'm very passionate about it. But we also need to be sensitive. Because though there are those who push back and who who champion a, a right... And who are hypocritical and who are celebrating the death of children, of their own children, and the murder of the children of others. By that I mean the unborn babies in the womb. There are many, many more who go into an abortion scared, who come out of an abortion with regrets. And who are looking for hope and healing. And who need to know that God is a God of forgiveness and God is a God of hope and God is a God of second chances. So it's a balance. And it's about having sensitivity. And saying, yeah, we don't support abortion. But there is hope for those who've had one. And that hope is found in Jesus Christ and in the forgiveness that God offers to us through him. That's all the time that I have left for today. Thanks so much for being with us for this edition of The Frittle Show. I know it's been a little different, a little more somber than we usually go, but this is what God laid on my heart to share this week. So share, I did hope that, uh, that you will share this with others, that you'll share your thoughts and comments. Like I said in the comments, you can go like, subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, so you never miss an episode. And we'll be back next week, same time, same place. Look forward to seeing you then. Have a great week.